with me. I'm going to read the word, and then we're going to get right into the teaching of God, okay? In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12, the Lord led me to this passage for today. Not to necessarily preach about the triumphal entry, but about something very specific in this few verses. And it says this in Luke, or Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought, who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, everybody likes to quote that scripture, but very few know this next scripture. Then, everybody say then. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. See, a lot of people love to talk about how Jesus got angry at church, but they don't really like to focus on the reason why Jesus got angry. And we'll get into that more later. But he healed everybody right after this in the same place that he drove out the wrong people. See, when you start preaching the right thing, the wrong people will leave and the right people will show up. But you need to be able to be bold enough to start saying the right things to the right people at the right time in the right place. And so he speaks. And he says, the blind and the lame came in and they were healed. And then verse 15, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children, hear me, the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. We just said wonderful things. We said worshipful things. And we said children. And these people were still mad. And then... They said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, help us to perfect our praise. Help us to get a phrase of praise in our life. And I pray that this word would minister to each and every person under the sound of my voice right now. It's not Landon's words. It's the word of the living God. And I thank you, God, that you are going forth and you are ministering right now as a voice of many waters into every home and every job and every car and every place and every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, no matter the age, the gender, no matter what background, God, somebody's life is going to be changed today. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. I pray that you would anoint me, anoint me, anoint me, and anoint me again to preach your word, God, to do your will and not my will. And let me flow with the Holy Spirit today, God, to follow what you have for us on Palm Sunday. And I thank you that I'm going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to help accomplish the assignment for which you have me on. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give God some praise one more time. And then you may be seated. Now you can sit. Hope you've been standing this whole time. Hopefully you've been getting some exercise. Gosh, with how much sitting so many people are doing, it's probably really good for you to stand up and get some circulation every once in a while. So we want to make sure that you're tuned in right now and locked in. Share this. If you haven't already shared it, somebody's life is going to be changed today. Uh, I can't stress that enough. We keep hearing reports of new salvations and new homes and new families and new friends and new people who would never set foot in a church all of a sudden making their home a place of worship. 
and I love that, and that's a, a powerful thing. And I hope you got your palm branch this Saturday or Friday. We got the palm branches out. Uh, we also had our worship journals come out for April. Hope you have those too, and our new devotionals will be coming out. And then last but not least, uh, we have our Bridge Church mugs. So all of our first-time guests, if this doesn't entice you to email us all your information, I don't know what will. Uh, we want to send you this beautiful church mug, get you plugged in, get you connected. And so we need you to email us at weareinfo at wearebridge.church. And so that way we can connect you. Uh, we had an incredible uh, a phenomenal prayer caravan. It was incredible. We were so thankful, so excited. So many people turned out. So many people showed up. And we just got to drive around Flagstaff and pray over Flagstaff. And you know what? I love the fact that we're, we're working with a, 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 a Republican, a Democrat. We're working with people who are conservative and liberal. We're working with both sides of the parties right now. We're working with our county, our city. I want you to just, can you pray for our, our mayor right now, can you just not complain about her and the decisions she has to make in a difficult season and time as if you know better than anyone else in the world? And can you just pray for somebody instead of talking about somebody? Pray for, and I'm going to keep going because you may like mayor, the, our mayor. You may not like our mayor, but I'm going to go to the governor now. You better pray for our governor, whether you like our governor or you don't like our governor. You better, I'm going to go one step further, you better pray for our president, whether you you like our president or you don't like our president, stop complaining about people and start praying for people. Don't pray your will. Pray God's will over their life. That, that we have to get into a place. Look, I'm not rooting for Mayor Evans just because she's on my side and doing what I want. No, 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 no. If I had what I wanted, we would all be here at church together. <laughs> we'd all be in what we, we'd be right now. Like we know we wouldn't be in the archery and we'd be packing it out. That's what I would want. We would have services in the dome with everybody in Flagstaff there. That's my kind of idea. But we're not doing what Landon wants. We're trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and. and and we have to trust that God is leading other people. Oh, that's, that's difficult right there. It's difficult because we're wondering if they're following God as much as we follow God. And if that's true, then they're probably not doing a good job at it. Oh, did that hit home too much? Usually we're judgmental because we're, we say, okay, pastor, I agree with you. I believe that they're following God. And we think it's a reflection of how we follow God. And since we don't really follow God that much, we don't trust that they follow God that much. So then we turn it against each other and we become judges rather than peacemakers that we are called to be. We're called to be reconcilers, not dividers. If you want to plant another church and split off, you are not a part of the body of Christ. If you want to cause division in our democracy and in our government, you are not a part of the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ, a believer, is a unified person who bears peace wherever they go. And they find a way. Above all else, in all you're getting, get understanding. Because what we lack is a lack of understanding for each other, don't we? We need a greater level of understanding. And so I encourage you, pray for everybody who's making tough decisions right now. Don't act like you're better, like you're smarter. Don't say hateful things. Speak life. And you know what? Like my mom always told me, you ain't got nothing nice to say. You ain't got nothing nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Right? Don't. Keep your mouth shut. The Bible says, even in Proverbs, he says, 
even people would believe that you are wise if you keep your mouth shut. They only know that you're a fool when you open your mouth. So just, and you'll do great. So let's get started. Let's get right into the word. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 1, all the way through where we began in verse 16, where we read the ending, and now we're going to see how we got there. It starts off at the beginning of this, and it talks about how Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Now was the hour, now was the time that the clock would begin between now and then his crucifixion, his burial, and resurrection. So the game clock is on. Somebody say, it's on. It's on. It's time. It Now is the time. Now is the hour. And so he starts off, and then when he gets ready to crest the Mount of Olives and go through Gethsemane into the city and then, of course, up into the temple. Before he does that, before he gets to the top, he tells his disciples to go. Go to a town adjacent, adjacent to us, and right there you're going to find a crossroads. And at the crossroads, somebody say the crossroads. Go ahead, stay with me. At the crossroads, a lot of good things happen. And at the crossroads, you're going to find a donkey... And it's full right next to it. They're going to be tied up together. And where they're, and, and see, the disciples, did just like you and I, just, just now, he said, go to the city, the city we, the town we just didn't walk through, a town we haven't even been to, go to that town and go to the crossroads. And in that town, right there at the crossroads, there's going to be a donkey and a foal tied up. Disciples said, okay, great. And he said, if anybody questions you, tell them the Lord has need of them. And so he speaks of that. And there's so much within this because the first thing that I want to point out is the little things. Because the disciples did what you and I just did. When I said there'd be a donkey and a foal tied up at the crossroads of a town he hadn't walked through and didn't know and did not see, but somehow he knew it would be there. Jesus in his divine nature knew right where it would be. The disciples were like, sure, I'll go get it. And I want, I want to take time, if we can, to praise God for the little things because we think a donkey and a foal being tied up exactly where he said, how he said, is just a common everyday thing. And we take some of our little things for granted of all the miracles that God does every day for us. He woke you up this morning. He gave you breath in your lungs this morning. He gave a smile to your face this morning. He has done so much for you, but yet we... we we negate the small things. We neglect the small things. We don't pay attention to all the little details. We don't pay attention to all the little miracles and all the little signs and the little wonders. I thank God that he healed me from my migraine. I thank God that he healed me from my disease. And I, I thank God for the big things, but I also thank him for the small things. I thank him for, for giving me a home to live in, a TV to stream on, a laptop, an iPad, a phone to stream on. That you have to do. You are blessed more than 99% of the world. And, and you, we, but we just, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, there's a donkey and a foal. Oh, it'll be tied up exactly where you said, and no one has ever ridden on it before, and this will be the first time anybody rides on this donkey, and it'll be right exactly how you said it would be. And if anybody questions, all I need to do is say the name of the Lord and that you have need of it, and yet we just say, okay, that's great. 
and we move on right past that scripture. This is the beginning of the triumphal entry, but you can't crest the hill and you can't come into the promises and the fulfillment of God and get to a place where you can clear out some things and create some healthy situations. You can't get there till you understand how to celebrate the little things first. Don't try to climb that mountain and crest that mountain before you start by saying thank God for the little things. Because we could teach on the donkey all day long. The donkey has many implications and many teachings from it. It's just a little donkey, so we could teach about all the little things and maybe even the little people and the people who feel like they have little value and little talent and they only have just a mustard seed of faith and maybe you only have a mite to give. But all of a sudden, God says the mite was the greatest and he said a mustard seed will move mountains and it's the little things that will do the greatest things. It's just the little steps that turn into long distances because you decide to take one step every day and right now while the enemy tries to oppress you and hold you and keep you and tell you well you can't do this and you can't do that what can you do and you can say I can take one little step at a time I can celebrate one little victory at a time I can wave my palm branch all I have is a palm branch today but I can wave my palm branch all I have is a coat to lie down for Jesus but I'm going to lay my coat down whatever the little things that you do have in your life I want you to take five seconds right now and say thank you Jesus put your hands together compliment on a comment on this post and say thank you God for the little things because it was just a little donkey and and the fact that it was a donkey is another way to look at this story it's a donkey it's not a mule it's not a horse it's not impressive but it is important and I want us to change our mentality here just like Jesus was teaching them I'm tired of you looking for things that impress you and I want you to see things things that are important to you because we live in a society today that wants the impressive things rather the important things. We want impressive preachers, not important preachers. We want impressive leaders and not important leaders. We want people that things to be shiny rather than solid. And we want God. God doesn't want you to give you a nice beach to stand on. He wants to give you a solid rock. A rock doesn't look as pretty as a beach, but at least I can build on that rock. I'm not looking for what's impressive like a a horse to ride in on my steed. I'm looking for what's important. And God said, I'm going to use the foolish things to confound the wise. I'm going to use the small things. I'm going to use the things that nobody thinks about. I'm going to use the things that everybody neglects. And then on top of that, it's not just the impressive and the important. Now it's also, you got a donkey that's tied up. So can we just celebrate for a second? Because I think, I think we need to thank God that he ties us to reserve us. And sometimes you were frustrated that God wouldn't loose you, but that relationship that you wanted wasn't good for you. And you wanted to be loose too soon for your potential, and you would have been ridden by somebody lesser than Jesus. And so Jesus ties you up to reserve you, and he looses you to reveal you. And when you see the donkey, when you see this little donkey and it's full and it's tied up and nobody's ever been ridden on it, you need to rejoice and say, God, I thank you for the times that you restricted me and you withheld me and you kept me from the things I wanted and that I thought were better for me and the things that I thought were good for me and they were really terrible for me. I thank God that he restricted me. I thank God that he held me. I thank God that he protected me and preserved me because he's reserving you for a greater purpose. 
Amen. So sometimes when you feel like you're tied up and you're saying, God, why am I not being used to my full potential? Why am I not being used in such a great way? I'm a donkey. I should be ridden. I should be used. And yet God says, no, not yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. See, God usually isn't saying no to your future. God is just saying not yet to your future because you want to do it now, but now would create a lesser potential. But the future that God has for you is a hope and a promise of that bright potential to say, in the dude season and in due timing there's going to be a time when I untie you and I loose you and I'm going to reveal your true purpose and I'm the king of kings is going to ride on you because I'd rather be used by God once than be used by man a thousand times because used by once by God will change the world used by man won't do anything to help anybody but if if I'm just used once I pray somebody would just get that mentality and that, that, that spirit and that, that, that fortitude in you to say, you know what, God, if I'm only used once, if I'm only used once for you, that's all I need to be used. I'd rather not be used by anybody to any extent for any glory on earth. I would rather be used for your glory one time to change the world because it was just a donkey that ushered in the king of kings. It was just a little donkey that ushered in the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and said, you know what? Man, I've only been used once, but this is worth it. You know what? It it took a while for me to be loose, but it's worth it. It took a while for God to say, okay, I'm going to take the limits off. I'm going to take the restrictions off. I'm going to untie you now. And all of a sudden, you went from obscurity to notoriety because you were living in the middle of nowhere in a town next to something important, next to people who were doing something, next to people who were going somewhere, at the crossroads of where everybody went but nobody used you. And now God is untying you to loose you to walk down the streets paved that are ready and prepared for you with coats and palm branches and there are crowds by the masses to say glory to God, Hosanna in the highest because you decided I'm going to be used by a king rather than by a peasant. And that is the potential that you have. You See, we can preach all day on the little donkey and then he goes from there. You could even talk about how then the little donkey then was sat on by God. He was sat on by Jesus. Jesus sat on the donkey and rode the donkey in. Jesus sat down on the hillside and taught on the Mount of Beatitudes and brought revelation to everybody. The Bible says when Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of authority in heaven. And he now, not in a separate throne, it means... And when he sat down, it meant completed ministry. When the high priest would finish what he needed to do on the days of Passover, when he finished, he would sit down and say, it is finished. It is done. It is complete. Seated ministry is completed ministry. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came in and sat upon each and every one of them and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. Thank God for seated ministry. 
Some people dismiss the donkey because it's just a little donkey, but the donkey represents so much about the process of where we are headed down that little dirt road. I'm going to ride that donkey down that old dirt road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. And Jesus is going to ride that donkey down that old dirt road. And while everybody thinks that this is just, oh, this is just, it's just a donkey. It just go grab. The disciples even went untied it, brought back, and what is this? No big deal. Watch, see how many things come from one little thing. See how much God can do in your life with just one little touch, with one moment, with, this is one verse. And yet we can get so much out of it, just like God can get so much out of you when you feel like you have so little to give. God can do it. But you got to be able to say, okay, God, use me for your will. And celebrate being untied. Celebrate being reserved. Celebrate the ability to say, God, it's even in the little things. It's the important things, not the impressive things. Because then when he starts to ride that donkey down that old dirt road, he comes in. And when he comes into the city, they all start to say, tell the daughter. They all start to say, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed he is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They begin to declare the praises of God. And you know what? Everybody starts shouting because everybody's just shouting this and praising this. And some people start turning to the disciples and the followers. And they're like, who is this? I, I know we're all shouting Hosanna, but who is this? And they begin to share who Jesus is. Can I encourage you? You need to share this right now because people need to know who Jesus is. It's not by some random stranger. It's not by some by some uh, somebody outside of the circle. It's going to be a disciple of Christ. Christ, who tags somebody, who shares this with somebody, who says, you know what, I know everybody's here to praise God today, but I got to tell you why we're praising God. In fact, not just tell you why we're praising God, but who God is. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the, the only problem with this is that they were giving the praise in the right place, but in the wrong direction. See, they were praising Jesus because they wanted him to be their king, to overthrow Rome, to become their physical king for that day. But Jesus knew he would become, he is the king for all eternity. So now he's, he, he's got their praise in the right place with Jesus. But even in their response, who is this? They be, some of them begin to respond and say, oh, I think this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And yes, while he is prophet, he is priest and king as well and he fulfills all the offices and he is one he is God he is Emmanuel in the flesh and he is here to fulfill we got to get our praise not just in the right place but in the right direction I'm not praising God for just what I want him to be because that's sometimes the only reason we praise and worship God is we're praising and worshiping God according to what we want him to be for us and that becomes an idol don't worship an idol of what you want God to be. You need to figure out how to worship God, who God is. So then it continues. And then he gets into the city. And as he gets into the city, he goes to the temple. And in verse 12, he says, let's go to the temple. 
And so they enter the temple. Now, what was happening at the temple, in fact, if, can we show a picture of the temple? If, if we can. If not, they can put it right below me. And I, I, wanna, I want you to see this because when he enters in to Jerusalem, the temple's there. And as he comes down from the Garden of Gethsemane, he sees this massive temple in this beautiful city. And he goes to the southern gates. Uh, he goes to the southern steps and he comes up the southern steps and goes into the colonnades and into the courtyard. And this is the outer courtyard where everybody could be. And as he gets in there, then what they would do is they would take the sacrifices as people by the thousands. There was about 1,100,000 people in Jerusalem at this time. Josephus tells us that. And so we see that there are probably thousands of people in the outer court right now preparing for Passover. And so he sees all this going on. And what they would do is you would bring your sacrifice. They would approve your sacrifice, take your sacrifice, and without going through all the steps, they would get to the altar of sacrifice, take your sacrifice, give it to the Lord, and then the priest who would be covered in the sacrifice would then go to the brazen laver after that, and he'd wash his hands and wash his face and his feet before he went into the holy place, and then, of course, there was the most, the holy of holies. And so he would wash, can I just talk about that for just a quick second, because that's what we did last week. Last week, we saw people baptized and cleansed because while the sacrifice was made for our sins and the blood has covered our sins, sometimes before you go into the presence of God, you find it hard to raise your hands. You find it hard to worship God, to praise God, to, to lift up the name of Jesus because while you've been forgiven, you still have the stain of shame on you and you don't need that anymore. You need to wash yourself clean because therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you don't need to live according to the law, but according to the Spirit. And the priest would wash his hands, and this bowl was made of bronze mirrors because all the women would have submitted their mirrors to the priest, and they would take it, and they would make this mirror, not out of glass, but out of bronze. That's what a mirror was made in that day. And that big bronze bowl would be reflective, and that priest would see his own face in there, and he'd wash his hands. And we'll get more to that in a second, but... He washes in there and he washes it all off. And then he was able to boldly approach the throne of grace. And I encourage you today, you might have been forgiven, but you need to be washed clean of the old thoughts, the old habits, the old ways, the old lifestyle, the old you that used to be. You need to be buried. If you need to be buried today in water, you need to go ahead and do that. Baptize yourself with a bucket of water, a shower of water, a, a, a bathtub of water, a hose, whatever you got, so that you can be washed clean. And so Jesus walks in as this process is beginning, and he is seeing all of these people prepare their sacrifice. So many people, thousands of people coming to prepare their sacrifice wholly to God. And when they bring it, it's a humble place, a, a holy place of worship. But what was happening is that there were people who were taking and saying, hey, that sheep's not really that good. So what we'll do is we'll buy your sheep at a low cost, 
and then we'll sell you this perfect sheep right here. And so then they would pocket that money that they made from there and from there. And then they take the sheep that they just bought from that family. And when the next family comes in, they would sell that old sheep to that family. And so they were just continually robbing people. It wasn't about when he says this, you have made my house a den of thieves. He, was t- he wasn't talking about how they were selling t-shirts, about how they were selling CDs, about how they were selling, you know, like uh, uh, little albums out there or books and a lot. See, a lot of people misread this scripture and use it as a point of, of hatred towards the church of those who sell stuff in their lobby. But that has nothing to do with it. Has everybody has everything to do with somebody perverting their worship. So hear me now because of where we're going. Because remember, I told you that in the right place, but in the wrong direction. And so now we've got the same kind of thing. They've got, they're in the right place, but in the wrong direction. And so now the worship is being manipulated, and Jesus comes into the temple. He sees what's going on, and he binds a cord together, and he cracks the whip. Somebody say, crack the whip. He cracks the whip just like mama cracks the whip when it's time to get those chores done. And she says, You've been, I know a lot of people are feeling that right now. You have been at home, and mom knows you're available, and you can do all the chores your heart desires. And then on top of that, all you men out there, it's not a honey-do list. It's a honey-ta-da list. And what I mean by that is ta-da, it's done. And because she knows you got plenty of time to get that done now. And so you're getting the whole list done, and she cracks that whip because you know you should be. Remember those times when your parents... They would tell you, hey, we're going to be gone, but we want you to do the dishes and, and do laundry. And you're like, oh, yeah, that'll take me like 10 minutes. No big deal. I'll do it. Definitely. You'll be gone for what? Seven hours? Great. I'll see you when you get home. And the whole day, you got seven hours, and you watch TV, and you sleep, and you eat, and you do nothing all day because you know it's not going to take you that long. But then you hear the car rolling up. <sighs> in the driveway and the keys get out the doors shut and then all of a sudden you hear you are panicking and you are running everywhere to get that cleaning done in 60 seconds what you could have done in 7 hours because you know what's about to happen and Jesus when he comes in and cracks the whip it's the same thing you know this shouldn't be doing like this it wasn't that Jesus was so buffed out of his mind and juiced and roided out that he was so big he scared everybody it was because they knew they shouldn't be operating like this they knew that it shouldn't operate they knew that they shouldn't be manipulating they knew that they shouldn't be taken advantage of and there's something within us when God tries when God shows up with the spirit of conviction in our life we know we shouldn't be doing that we know there's some things that need to be driven out of us we know there's some things that need to be changed in our life we know that this is unhealthy and dysfunctional in our marriage I know that I'm being manipulative with my kids I know that I'm being manipulative with other people and God needs to drive some things out of some people he came to drive it out of his temple and I'm telling you this virus isn't here for no reason God is saying I'm coming to drive some things out of my church that are not meant to be in my church. You have made this a religious system of checking a box, and I'm telling you if church is not something on your to-do list, church is who you are, and you are called to be the ecclesia, the body of Christ in the earth. Come on somebody, I know you're feeling this out there. God needs to drive some things out. 
What does he need to drive out of your life today? Drive out of your mind. Drive out of your spirit. Drive out. Drive it out. Let him drive it out because you know it needs to go. Thousands of people took off running. Parents, can I talk to you for a little bit? Jesus was having to step up and be the parent in the moment. And he had to crack the whip. If you are so afraid to crack the whip because you want your kid to be your friend, you're not the leader you're meant to be. And you need to be a better steward of the kids God gave you. You don't need to worry about if, they will, if they're going to be hurt or not. or Let their feelings direct you and let, let your opinions guide you. You need to let the conviction of God lead you and guide you in how to raise up those kids. You are not their friend. You are their parent. I am not your best buddy right now. I am your pastor. Jesus is also your friend, but he is also your father, and he is coming in to say, hey, we need to clean some things out. Come on, I know you're giving God praise wherever you are. God needs to drive some things out. Let him drive it out. Let him crack that whip and say, okay, hey, hey, I I love you, but this has got to go. I love you, but man, we gotta. I love you enough to correct you. I love you enough not to leave you in this religious system that is only gonna continue without any leading of the Holy Spirit, without any leading of God. You don't even need God to keep religion going. All you need is man's own system that he has now created and is living in a dysfunctional religious system that produces nothing. But God is saying, let me drive some things out. Jesus shows up and cracks the whip and says, let me drive some things out. Let me drive some things out. I need to drive this out. And I feel like it can't be stated enough because he says, you know what? I need, to, I need to get all this out of here. And Jesus not only, can I go a little bit further with you? I, I don't think that it was just the fact that they felt a little convicted And I don't think it was also just the fact that he had a whip. I think the main reason that everybody scattered was because of who Jesus was. I think it was because of the authority that Jesus walked in. I think it was because of the authority that he had in him. Because what did we read in two different places as this journey began? It says, when you go to the crossroads, if anybody asks you, tell them, my name. Tell them the Lord has need of it. And he says, "Oh, uh, what did they shout? They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because there's power in his name. There's authority in his name. There's authority in his spirit. I think many of us have neglected and forgot how powerful the name of Jesus is. How powerful the name of Jesus is. And when you shout the name of Jesus, demons gotta flee. When you call on the name of Jesus, salvation comes. When you cry out the name of Jesus, your comforter comes. When you call on the name of Jesus, everything's got to be driven out that is not of him and only his spirit will remain pretty soon it was just Jesus standing in the temple at one point by himself because there was authority in his name there's authority when you call on the name of Jesus in your home there's authority in the name of Jesus when you call on his name for your marriage there's authority in the name of Jesus when you call it on the name of your ki- when you call it over your children call it over call his name over your business call his name over our city there is by no other name by which we can be saved there is no other name under heaven right now the only name you 
need to cry out is Jesus. Because Jesus is the name he comes in. He is our Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the king. And Jesus is showing up to drive some things out today. And it wasn't just because he had a little whip. It's because he had all authority in heaven and earth. Don't ever mistake it. Jesus didn't get authority when he got baptized. And he didn't finally get authority when he he went to heaven. He had all authority on that cross. He had all authority from the moment he was born. He had all authority to operate under uh, under the direction and the leading of his spirit in the earth. Because if he had anything less, he couldn't do what he needed to do. You can't fulfill the greatest commission without total permission. And he had total permission because he was the authority. So he has to, he can fulfill it. He, He did fulfill it. So we see him drive it all out. And he calls him, what are you doing? My house shall be called a house of prayer. We just had a prayer caravan on Friday, and it was awesome. We went around the whole city, and it was so incredible. If you went on that, shout amen, text, text us. It was amazing. It was incredible uh, because we, we, I'm telling you, it was a phenomenal time. But I want to I touch in here real quick. I want you to pray for Nepal. Right now, Nepal is struggling so much financially that there are many starving And what we're going to do as a church is we're going to send more resources to them and more funds to them to help them. If you want to help with that, you can go on our giving portal, select Nepal, give as much as you can, and let's bless Nepal. Let's take care of them because my house shall be called a house of prayer. What does that mean? Communion. It means to commune with God on a consistent daily basis and say, I'm constantly in relationship with you, hearing from you, moving with you, following you. And and when you do that, then you're going to operate as God called you to. And one of the things he's calling us to operate in is part of what he said our ministry is, is to feed the hungry. And so we will do that. We're helping people all around our city. We're helping people in our state. We're helping other churches. We're helping everybody we can from the position of influence that he's given us. And the blessing that we have, we will be a blessing. Somebody said amen right there. If you don't tithe right now, I'm going to encourage you. You need to feel the conviction of Jesus in your life because you need to become a tither. Because a tither is somebody who puts God first with consistent discipline. And you put it, the tithe, 10% goes to the house of God, nowhere else. And then you give offerings to the Lord and help others. So you put God first. That's how it works. So. Then he says, don't don't make my house a den of thieves. But the next verse, a lot of people, we read it earlier, a lot of people just skip over. And they or, or they don't even know. And it says, then. Everybody say then. Yeah. Come on, everybody say then. Yeah. Then the blind and the lame came to him. In the temple, I want to I want to speak to somebody's heart. I think God cleared out churches just like He cleared out the temple to say, "I'm making room. I'm making room for people who value me. I'm making room for people who are hungry for me. I'm making room for people who are hurting and need me. I'm making room because there were people on the outskirts of the temple, the blind and the lame and the afflicted, and they they always felt like I I don't think I can go where they 
are. I don't feel like I'm welcome in that place. I don't feel like I'm permitted to go into that place. I feel like I wouldn't fit in in that church. And let me tell you, honey, if you're streaming today, you are welcome. You are accepted. We want you a part of the body of Christ. And Jesus is saying, I cleared all the dysfunctional people out. And I want the people who are hurting. I want the people who need a healing. I want the people who are hungry. I want the people who are happy and ready and value me, who come running to the temple and say, oh, I know Jesus is there. I want to go where Jesus is. And they went running to the temple. And when they got to the temple, the blind and the lame came in. And Jesus healed every single one of them. And that is one of the greatest miracles nobody talks about in the Bible. Is that he, they all like to talk about how Jesus got angry. And he flipped tables. And he cracked the whip because that's every religious person's authority and permission to be hateful and vindictive to other people. When you have no permission nor authority to do so towards any believer ever in your life. Because there is never a place in this Bible where God allows disrespect and dishonor, not towards anybody. And yet Christians use that verse all the time. Well, Jesus got angry. Well, Jesus got crazy. Well, Jesus got told it how it was. Whoa, 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 calm down. Who made you judge, jury, and executioner? You are not the judge. He is the judge. And you are not the jury. He is the jury. He is the one who examines. And he's not examining your life to find out all your faults. The Bible says when the, the forensic word is to examine, to find the place where you accepted him, to find the place. I'm not looking what you did wrong. I know everybody did something wrong. I'm looking for the place where you called me into your life, where you let me in, where you came running to the temple, where you came running to me, to your healer. And when I find that place, man, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you will have eternal life and you will live in heaven. That's the kind of mentality we need to have is we're not looking for people's wrongs to judge them and get hateful with. We're looking for what they did right, just like our Savior does. And so these people come running in, and they all get healed. They get healed. Everybody. When was the last time we had church and people were getting healed? Now, I know that happens in our church more, off, uh, more often than it used to, and I hope it continues to grow more and more. But the Bible says that if we follow Jesus, these signs and wonders shall follow us. And if we're doing what God has called us and created us to, then we will see these things and we will do these things, and much greater will we do. So if Jesus healed an entire temple full of blind and lame people, how many people need a healing of Jesus? Who am I preaching to that needs a healing? Who am I preaching to that is afflicted? Who am I preaching to that is hurting? Who am I preaching to that needs a touch from God? And the only one that can heal you is Jesus. Who am I preaching to today? That you're not just accepting the king, you're accepting your healer, your great physician. I know God's got this for you, and he's going to minister to you on a whole nother level. Because when you're coming in now, you're not coming in to go through the motions of checking your religious box at church. You have become the church. You are running to the bride, to the groom. And when you come to the groom, he's going to heal every wound. Because he said, I was bruised for your iniquity. I, I was whipped for your transgressions. God, He's saying, I took it all for you so that you might be healed. 
No, no, no. Some of you heard one day in heaven. He said, I took the price that I, that I needed to pay, that I could only pay, so that you might be healed. When? Now. So that you might be healed. When? Now. So when you come into the presence of Jesus and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that he paid the price for you, then healing is yours too. And you can be healed of every heartache. You can be healed of every point of destruction in your life. You can be healed of all the disasters that have tried to torment your mind. You can be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. God can heal you of cancer. God can heal you of corona. God can heal you of any sickness, any disease. He's not a small God. He's a great God who can do small things, big things, and everything in between. Because my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I thank you, God. Can we give God praise for a minute? Can we give God praise for a minute and just thank him? Because his healing is for now, not one day. Right then they were healed. They didn't get touched by Jesus and prayed for Jesus and said, hey, well, hopefully it works sometime this week and it kicks in. No, no, no. Right now you are healed. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for every hospital. I pray for every worker. I pray for every elderly care unit. I pray for everybody dealing with this sickness and disease and on the front line. I pray for a hedge of protection around them. Guard them and watch over them. Heal everybody, Lord. When these nurses and these, these doctors go in, I pray that they would pray out loud. And Lord, that they would see people healed and delivered of this sickness. In Jesus' name. I want to share one last point with you, and then I'm going to close. I want you to hear this in your spirit and your heart. Because what happened next was so powerful. The Pharisees and the scribes say, wait, 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 wait. They said, wait, can you hear what these children are saying? Now, I don't know about you, but I just read the scripture. And the scripture says the blind and the lame came to the temple. Well, who was left in the temple after Jesus healed everybody? The blind and the lame. But they said children. And what did they say to the children? Do you hear what they're saying? He says, yes. Have you not read? In other words, don't you know where you've been living? How do you not know the scripture, you Pharisees and scribes? And he says, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, I, I have perfected praise and he's not talking about just age when he says children. That's not what they just mean. He's talking about people who've been made new. And so all of a sudden, now we've got people who have been made new and they have been washed clean. Remember the brazen labor? They've been washed clean and their skin is pure as white as snow and they have been made righteous and pure just as babes. And I'm telling you here today, when Jesus comes into your life, he's not just to heal you and leave you, but he's going to make you brand new. He's going to make you perfectly new and and when you look down just like the priest would look down in that labor now you can see who you really are and and what because what God wants you to do through that reflection of the washing and cleansing of your soul is he wants you to see who you really are and then bring who you really are to him 
because he didn't want the priest to bring somebody fake in there. You don't need to bring God who you're pretending to be. You need to see who you really are, and that is that you are fully capable of sin. I once was in sin. I once was in shame. I once was blind. I once was lame. And now, because of the cleansing water of Jesus Christ over my life, I have been made clean. I've been made whole. I've been made new. Some of you, some of you know the word impeccable. Impeccable, actually, I'm going to break it down for you. Peckable is a word. And peckable doesn't mean like Woody Woodpecker. Peckable means to be capable of sin. And impeccable then means to be incapable of sin. Gee, that, we don't know what that's like. But I do know what being capable of sin does look like. See, when all the angels sing hallelujah, they're impeccable. They're not capable of sin. They don't know what it was like to once be lost and now found. There's no redemption plan for angels. Angels only know one way, and so they only have one way, and they have to live in that way according to what God has told them to do. So they only know one way of worship. It's an impeccable worship, but it's not a perfect worship because a perfect worship requires, it's a paradox of praise here. It's imperfect worship requires imperfection because if you know what imperfection is like, when somebody brings you into the light out of your sin and shame and imperfection and sin, when you step into God's grace and you begin to praise him because of what you've come through, you begin to perfect praise somebody. Come on, hear this in your spirit because you need to understand that God is saying, look, watch, I'm going to show them my grace and my mercy and my healing. And they're going to have a decision to, to decide to stay in their sin and shame or they can step out and they're choosing. Look at these new little children. They're stepping out of their sin and shame into my healing, into my deliverance, into my salvation. And they're choosing to worship me. And that's why Jesus... Because he didn't say they have perfected praise when everybody was shouting as he came through. They, they didn't shout. Whenever, when he was coming down the road on that, old, on that little donkey, they, they, he didn't say, oh, look at this praise. He didn't brag about their praise. Why not? Because they had it in the right place but the wrong direction. See, these people weren't praising God for what they want Him to be. They were praising God for who He is. They weren't praising Jesus for what they wanted Him to be but who He really was. And that's why when they began to worship God, they began to praise Jesus. He said they have perfected praise because now I got them in the right place and I got them in the right direction. This is how you give me praise. Not by telling me what you want me to be but by worshiping who I really am in your life, that I am your healer, I am your deliverer, I am your salvation, I am your comforter, I am the spirit that guides you and leads you in the worst of situations. Come on somebody, if you have the spirit of God, give him praise. This is a perfect time to give him 30 seconds. Come on, stand up in your living room, stand up in your bathroom, wherever you may be in your office and begin to thank God because he is all you need. And when you worship him for who he is, you start to perfect praise. But it takes an imperfect being to say, I know where I came from. I know I was once blind. I know I was once lame, but Jesus made me whole. He made me whole. He made me clean again.
And now I can worship him for who he is. Now I can worship him for who I am. And I don't have to live in my condemnation anymore. I've chosen to step out of my darkness and into the light. Did you know that, that it's a choice now to live in darkness or live in light? You don't have to live in darkness because it's not your choice anymore. You have either choose to live in darkness or you choose to live in light. And when you choose to live in the light and you choose to worship God, you have then, uh, you have then perfected praise in your life. I wish somebody somewhere, everywhere, not just anybody, but everybody, I wish everybody would start to worship. I want you to stand, in fact, stand wherever you are and just begin to wave your hands, begin to worship God, begin to perfect praise, because if you have been forgiven of your sins, you just need to thank Jesus for who he is in your life, as the savior of your life, as the deliverer of your life, as the redeemer of your life. You need to perfect praise in your life because you know what it means to be imperfect. It's amazing how perfect praise for a perfect God must come from an imperfect being. Somebody who's perfect can't give perfect praise. It takes somebody who's come from the imperfection in order to understand what perfect praise really sounds like. Because Jesus knew the sound. Jesus heard the sound of perfect praise. And he said they have perfected praise. And I hope you perfect your praise. Don't feel like I'm not good enough. Don't choose to live in the darkness. Don't choose to live in your sin. Don't choose to live in your shame. Don't choose to be forgiven of your sin, yet not wash clean of your sin. You need to be forgiven and wash clean so that you can boldly approach the throne of grace and give God praise because of what he has done in your life and what he will continue to do in your life because he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to completion. And I know God is going to bring you through this because his word promised this. And I thank you, God, that you are going to do just that. With every head bowed and every eye closed on this Palm Sunday, I, I want you to just begin to worship and begin to thank God. And as you do, I want to pray this message over your life. Lord, I pray right now we would chase the impressive. We would chase the important. I pray right now we'd celebrate the little things. We'd praise you for the little things. I thank you, God, that we're also going to praise you, God, for seated ministry. God, that you sat upon each and every one of us, completed us and you are doing a good work in us. I thank you, God, that we can shout Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Lord, we can declare your name in every home, in every hospital, in every job, over every family, over every life. And Lord, with that name, we have authority. With that name, we have power. With that name right now, God, we speak it right now and declare freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you, God, that there's freedom in our life now. And not only freedom, God, Lord, but now, now we can not just be forgiven, but we can be free indeed. So it's one thing to be free, but another thing to be free indeed. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm forgiven, but I'm also washed clean. And I thank you, God, that you have cleansed me. And I can now come before you wholeheartedly, sincerely before the Lord. And I thank you, God, that's exactly what we do today. And Lord, you're driving some things out. Some things need to be driven out. Some things need to go. Some things need to go. 
And right now, wherever you are, I just want you to begin to say that. Some things need to go. And maybe if you do know them and it's come to your heart and come to your mind, you need to say those things. You need to say the hatefulness goes away. The bitterness goes away. The unforgiveness goes away. Lord, whatever it is, the jealousy goes away. The depression goes away. God, you're gonna, the manipulation goes away. Lord, I thank you. You're going to drive some things out of here. Oh, Holy Spirit. Right now, I just want somebody to hear this. The Bible says... That in, in, the, in those days, in the days to come, Paul's writing to Timothy, that people will heap towards themselves false teachers who, because they don't want sound doctrine. They want preachers and teachers who will tickle their ear and tell them what they want to hear. But Jesus cracked the whip because he was giving them what they need rather than what they want. And I'm here to tell you, some of this may have been hard to swallow today, but it's what you need maybe rather than what you want. And what you need is always going to be better for you than what you want for you. And so God has something greater for you. Lord, right now we pray that anybody's desires of self-will, self-ambition... Lord, would fade into the, into the darkness, into the abyss. And Lord, that your light, your will, your way would shine brightly in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And we drive out, God, the, the desire and the need to be cool. The desire and the need to be impressive. The desire and the need, Lord, to, to, to want people to tell us what we want to hear. And Lord, we pray, God, Lord, that you would speak your word and your truth and your conviction over our life and that we would perfect praise. And right now, God, I pray that somebody would turn their heart to not just have praise in the right place, but in the right direction. That you would worship Jesus for who he really is, not for what you want him to be, not for what you've always thought him to be, not for what you manage him to be, not for what you control him to be, not for what your ideal of him is or your understanding of him is, but I we would worship you in spirit and in truth and that Jesus is the name by which we can be saved and Jesus is the only name by which we can call upon in heaven and earth. And right now, God, we worship you in spirit and in truth, in the right place, in the right direction. And if anybody with their heads bowed and eyes closed, if anybody wants to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today is your day. Today's where you're going to rededicate your life to the Lord. Today's where you're going to choose to put him first. Today's where the manipulation fades and, and the facade fades and, and the mask comes off and the fakeness goes away and you're going to choose to worship him every day of your life and become a disciple in covenant with him. And if that's you, I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, come on, I know you probably said it quiet. Say it loud. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I am forever yours. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, I'm forever yours, and I am saved. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise wherever you are. Come on. Come on, you better be shouting. You better be clapping. Hallelujah.